Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Charno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we got in store today? Hey, Adam. So this is part two of the series we're doing on decision making. And so uh, you and I are going to kind of talk through uh, where this is going to end is we're going to talk through kind of a grid uh, that people can use to make decisions. And so we've got a downloadable PDF that you can catch uh, in the show notes there. Um, but let's start before we get to that. Let's just kind of talk about why this is, uh, again, like why this is a big idea. Yeah. Yeah. So um, leaders exist because problems exist. That's what we said two weeks ago when we had this great interview with Todd Wagner. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, go go listen to that as he really set up this subject for us. But one of the things we kept talking about is decision making is unavoidable as a leader like that. That's part of part of your job is making decisions, looking at the different problems that you're facing, different opportunities that you're facing and being able to make decisions, make them quickly move forward. And so, uh, so every leader faces this. This is a, a universal problem that we all face. Yeah. And I think, you know, generally the axiom is that uh, ideas have consequences. I think we could say decisions have consequences. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, lots, lots of examples, obviously one that just came to mind this week, I was with a pastor for another church and he commented about how involved our lay leaders are here. Like they're serving everywhere. How, how did that happen? Well, that really is the result of a decision that was made 20 years ago, yeah. a table you and I were not at, but Todd and some of his friends, you know, as they were starting this church said, you know, to have the privilege to serve here at Watermark, you have to be a member. Yeah. And then also it's a responsibility of membership. Like you, you have to serve. And so that was a 20 year ago decision yeah. uh, that it still has an impact today. And in this case, a very, very positive impact. It's, it's one of the, the things that just makes this place go is highly engaged members uh, who are using their gifts here. That's not, that's not optional here. And so great, uh, great ideas, great decisions uh, have consequences and poor decisions also have consequences. Absolutely. And so, um, so this matters um, because the church matters. And um, so I'm excited about this topic. Yeah, let's go. So probably just a few frameworks that we got to go through before we jump into this, uh, this decision-making grid that we think is going to be really helpful. So the first one is there's probably, you know, that old, like there's two types of people in the world, those that put their ketchup next to their fries and those that put their ketchup on the fries. Like, which one are you? <laughs> Uh, it depends. Isn't that crazy? Really? Yeah. I think, uh, by and large on the side. Okay, yeah. good. You're normal. Yeah. Um, that's good. So anyway, you know, those things, there's two types of people in the world. So it comes, same I feel thing like when I'm it comes to a Facebook poll right now. Yes. Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> there's, uh, there's two types of decision makers. And this idea really came from this great book called the paradox of choice came out in 2004. Barry Schwartz was the author. And his, his big idea was this, is that there's two types of decision makers in the world. You've got those that are called, he calls them maximizers and satisficers. And so we all know this intuitively. It's the overanalyzer and the underanalyzer. And I just think as we're going to talk about decisions, that's a really helpful spectrum to remember that every single one of us falls somewhere on that spectrum. And so Todd last week talked about how intuitive decisions are for him. He's more on the maximizer, or excuse me, the satisficer. He kind of underanalyzes the situation because he just is able to process information so quickly, where I would be over there on the other side where some of my uh, accounting tendencies will cause me to maybe want to overanalyze a situation. So I would be more of a maximizer. And so it's just good to know that there's this spectrum out there. We all fall on that spectrum. And it's also good for self-awareness to know that your decision-making tendencies probably annoy people that are on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. Like, hey, well, let's slow down and talk about this or make the decision yeah. already. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You brought this other grid here, uh, Adam, it's kind of four types of decision. I think it comes from uh, Brent Gleason. Uh, so there's command, there's collaborative, there's consensus, and there's convenience. So what do you mean by those four? Yeah, I thought this was really helpful. This, you know, 
Brent Gleason is an ex Navy SEAL, so he gets mad respect all the, you know, right away. We think about the best decision makers Anything in the world. Is be cool. So, but I liked this grid; it made a lot of sense. So, the first one was command. That is like the Lone Ranger decision maker. You don't consult anybody. You are just out there calling the shots, asking everybody to follow you. You're not really asking the audience what they think. You're not asking the team members what they think. You're just going, going, going. And those are absolutely a way, or that is a way to make decisions. And typically the command, like, I'm not going to seek any counsel. I'm just going to go, or or I'm not going to consult the team. I'm just going to make the decision. That is really, really good in times of crisis or when people just want to be told what to do. So if there's a real crisis at your church, sometimes just as the leader, you got to take the command and just go, hey, I know we're all kind of freaking out right now, but here's where we're going. I'm going to make some decisions and start moving. Yeah, we don't have time for a group meeting uh, right now. Someone make the decision. Let's go. Let's go. So So that's the command. So sometimes you got to have that type of decision making. The other one, this collaborative, that's where the leader still makes the final call. It's still up to the leader to make the final decision, but they do seek counsel. And so that happens a lot. That's a brainstorming meeting. That's a senior leader or leader of a ministry uh, getting a lot of people in the room going, we're trying to solve this problem. I want to know what you all think. So it's collaborative and that you're getting a lot of different information from people, but the leader is still the one making the call. So it's not, you're not putting it out to vote. You're not saying, okay, now that I know what everybody thinks we should do, let's vote on it now. And then we'll just let majority rule. It's not that that's consensus. So we'll talk about here in a second. Collaborative is just the leader getting counsel from other people. And so that is great to make decisions when you're not surrounded by a bunch of yes people. Uh, If you're surrounded by a bunch of yes people, then that's not going to be a great way to do it. But especially uh, collaborative decision-making sometimes can be really encouraging to your team because it sounds like they got to contribute to the process. And so probably the most common form of decision-making that most of us face is this collaborative. And then the consensus is everybody comes in, everybody chimes in, and we vote. And so it is just the uh, whoever had the most popular idea that everybody votes on, that's that's what we do. And those are, you know, there's a time for that. And it's probably a good time to make those kind of decisions when a lot of people are going to be impacted by the decision. And also there's a low cost if you have a bad decision, it's not really going to impact a lot of people. So consensus is great if you're all trying to figure out where to go to lunch, right? Let's just vote and who cares, right? If we have one bad meal, it's all right. We're going to eat lunch tomorrow. That's it. But there's definitely some times uh, as we're going through doing ministry that consensus is the way to go. And then the one I like that's most helpful to me uh, as since I've stumbled across this grid was the convenience that sometimes you don't even need to make the decision. You're delegating that desi- that, that decision to somebody else. And that's great if you've got a younger leader under you and you just want to test them how they make decisions or you just don't want to get bogged down, you don't want to be the log jam uh, for that decision. So it's great to just, as a matter of convenience, I'm going to let you make the decision. Yeah, that's good. And do you think, just to insert this here, uh, in case it doesn't come up later, that part of your job as a leader is to you know, develop your own decision-making skills, but also those uh, that you lead. And, and the only way they're going to, well, there's two ways, I guess, that they can get better at it is one is watching you or yep. watching others make decisions. And two is just feeling some of the weight uh, yeah. there. And so if you make all the decisions, they only are privy to one of those uh, opportunities. And so you've got to give others a chance to uh, make decisions. And the ones probably that won't sink the ship are probably the best ones to yeah. start with. Yeah. Uh, but you, someone did that for you and you've got to make sure that you delegate them. Absolutely. So I like that. I think it's a helpful grid. Command, collaborative, consensus, and convenient. So John, let's do this now. Let's go through this this grid that we've come up with, because I think sometimes, you know, you hear all this, you hear what Todd said two weeks ago, 
You understand there's a spectrum, okay, where maximizers or satisficers. You understand there's these types of decisions. But the bottom line is decisions are still incredibly difficult to make. And so what you and I have found over the years is there are some questions that can help you make a decision, help you uh, get to the right decision. And so what we want to do now is just go through these questions. And we're going to provide, as you've alluded to, we're going to provide a really great tool that everybody can download after they've listened to this episode that is just kind of a one page or a little worksheet that would go go with this just as a way to uh, to remember everything. So they don't have to they don't have to write this down as they're driving around. So um, so let's just go through these questions, John. The first question is this. Should I be the one to make this decision? Decision uh, fatigue is a very real thing. Yeah. And uh, you, you know, toward the end of the day, if you've been making decisions all day toward the toward the end, you just kind of you're, you're out of steam and you don't yeah. want to make any more and you're not is not as engaged. And so so uh, what you want to ask is, do I have to make this decision? And if not, like, I'm going to get that out of my inbox, out of my head. I'm going to push that to someone else. And like this morning, there was something that came by, um, you know, came in my inbox. And I just thought, you know, I can't, can I weigh in? Sure. Uh, but I think other people would probably have more information. And I just pushed it to them. I trust you, whatever you guys decide. Like, uh, just let me know where you land. Yeah. Thing. But I'm not going to burn my uh, my calories on that. And I, I think also a lot of times as leaders, we can be um, validated by the fact that we make all the decisions. Yes. And uh, we feel better. But I think it actually is really detrimental to the organization. So it, it's kind of a funny place to start. But one of the questions, one of the first questions is, do I even need to yeah. make this decision? I think it's a great one. It has been so helpful. Yeah, because exactly. I mean, it's happened to me even last week as we were even preparing for this. There was a decision that came across my desk and I, I asked this question and was and delegated it right away and just said, I don't I don't even need to be involved in this. Hey, will you ask somebody else on my team to do it? And it's great. And I bet I bet the decision they'll make will be fantastic. Yeah. And if not, then we got an opportunity to develop a leader. There you go. So, so yeah, you want to, we're, we're talking about delegating, not advocating. There's right. some decisions you have to make yeah. and you have to make those, but delegate those that you don't have to. Yeah. So that's helpful. So you're facing decisions. Just ask yourself, should I even be involved in this? Should I be the one to make this decision? So second one, this is going to sound a little obvious, but I think it's worth us going over again is the second question to ask is this, have I asked God for help? Yeah. And so we said last week, if you, you know, uh, if the goal is to make great decisions, then as Christians, like we have a competitive advantage, yeah. you know, we're trying to, we're trying to dunk a basketball and we're like seven, six, like at this point it's, you know, uh, we're just, it's just decidedly easier than, than most of the population. And so decisions are never easy, but uh, I always just walk around with this um, deep belief that, you know, my God's on my side, uh, James one, five, I can ask for forgiveness when they come to decisions around, you know, let's say this church, uh, I walk with a real confidence that, that God loves this church more than I do. Yeah. Like, I, I love my church. I didn't die for it. And, um, and so when I'm making decisions that impact God's church, it's, it's my default that he wants to help me make really good decisions. And so um, as Christians, we would be crazy not to pray and trust and listen uh, to the Holy Spirit. And I think too, like every, every leader kind of has their own rhythm on what it looks like to listen to God. I, you know, it's just funny to say out loud, but for me, um, you know, it'll be something that I'm praying about, um, something I'm just kind of, it's a, it's an A and B, or I need, you know, there's a ton of options, help me narrow it down, or I don't have an option, help me figure out the option. And what's really funny is that it'll be a matter of prayer, it'll be something that I'm seeking counsel on. And generally, I don't know why, but the kind of the aha moment comes when I put my running shoes on, you mm -hmm. know, and so I'm a large man, it's not, it's not very pretty, and I don't run very fast. That's the secret, <laughs> I think. You don't want to run so fast that you're out of breath and you can't think. So yeah. just, just, uh, just fast enough to 
get, you know, uh, get the blood flowing across your, uh, your brain. And that's when I feel like a lot of times clarity comes from me. So when I'm stuck, um, I'll pray, uh, before I'll lace up my shoes and I'll go for a run. And a lot of times I come back, it's just funny. It's it just, just me. I don't know that'll help anybody else, but, uh, I'll have the decision, uh, when I come back. So, okay. Uh, number three, uh, do I have all the facts? Yeah. So, I mean, this one, if you're like me and you're a maximizer and you want to overanalyze decisions, your default will always be, no, I don't have all the facts. That's why I haven't made the decision yet, right? And so there's a line here uh, sooner or later where you just have to make a decision because it's impossible to have all of them. So do I have all of them? No. But maybe maybe even a better way to have said this is, do I have sufficient facts? Do I have enough facts right now? So sometimes when we make a decision, we just need to keep asking questions. There's a little bit of data that we just need to go out there. Uh, there's a hunch that we want to try to support with data. There is a suspicion that we want to go interview a couple of people just to make sure, is that suspicion right You know, or, or is it not? And so you're never going to have all the facts. But as we say around here a lot, I think either from you or, or we heard it from JP years ago that the facts are your friends. So try to gather as many of them as you possibly can before making a decision. And so uh, so we've found that to be incredibly helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, the caveat is you can't make this a delay tactic. Yeah. Uh, you've, you've, you've been in this meeting where, you know, you know about 99% of uh, what you need to know, but someone still doesn't want to, you know, call it yet. And so uh, they might say, hey, can we just find out this one thing? And you go, hey, let's just be honest. Like, you really don't need to know that. And it, it now delays the decision, yes. you know, two, three weeks or something like that. So I don't know. If Which is a great, that. like, boss tactic that if you're not ready to make the decision <laughs> and somebody on your team is bringing it forward, you can just go send them on a wild goose chase to gather some more facts, you know, <laughs> they won't bother you Podcast for three just days. just became sinister. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's go number four here. Um, this is a good question to ask when you're making decisions. Do I need to bring others into this decision? Yeah. So, I mean, what you and I were talking about with this is this doesn't in- ensure efficiency because if you bring others in, it's going to slow the process down, but it almost always improves quality. Yeah. And so I think, you know, Proverbs 15, 22, obviously here the plans fail for lack of counsel, hopefully with many advisors, plural, they succeed. And so that's one of the things that I've really appreciated about being around here for on staff for nine years, being around this church for 15 or 16 years is just the way that we're constantly bringing others in to making decisions. So back to those four types, this would be the collaborative and the consensus is there's just more wisdom when you get people together in a room. And so sometimes uh, the quick, you know, if we're really driven and we want to get this decision made so we can keep making progress on this ministry or keep making progress on on this project that we're working on, the tendency will be like, no, I don't need to bring others in. I know what they're going to say anyway. But if you just slow down and bring some others in, usually it, it ends up helping. Yeah. And I think also, you know, one of the things we say is like, who uh, who cares about this decision? Who's this going to affect? Who are the yeah. stakeholders? And you don't want to surprise them with your yeah. decision. And so um, a best practice is always, just before you go public with a decision, uh, just to loop all those in. And you may already mostly be settled. This is where we, I think we're going to go, uh, but just want to let you guys know uh, first. And if there's any, anything I missed, uh, please let me know. That's and awesome. uh, that is a best practice. It's frustrating to be, um, you know, on the, on the other end of that. We've, we've done that before. It's never malicious. We, you know, after the fact, we're like, well, of course I should have let you know. I'm really sorry that I didn't. Uh, but that's a best practice. Let everybody know uh, kind of where you're trending, uh, telegraph that they don't want to be, um, if they're impacted, uh, you don't want them to find out when everyone yeah. else uh, does. Uh, and then also just in terms of, you know, not only you make better decisions, I think 
that whatever it is you decide, I think will be executed better. And so, yeah. you know, the adage that people champion that which they help to create. Yeah. And uh, I think the same thing would, you know, uh, could be said about the decision. They'll champion that which uh, they help decide. Yep. And so if you give them a bit of a voice, uh, then they feel like this wasn't just pushed down on me. Uh, I had to say, no, it wasn't exactly what I wanted. That's okay. They heard me out. But I just one thing I thought of is that a, a lot of older leaders, they hated it when they were younger. And the guy at the top just told them what to do, yes. right? Just walked in their office and uh, no context, just said, do this. They hated that. And uh, what's crazy is that that became their model. And some of them are doing that right now. Yeah. And they, guess what? They feel the same way about you as you felt about, you know, that guy uh, 20 years ago. Yes. It's like when you're outside the room, you just want to be inside. And then you finally get inside and you're like, close the door. Let's not let anybody else in right now. Gosh, we do it. Okay. So should I be the one to make this? this decision? Have I asked God for help? Do I have all the facts? Do I need to bring bring others in? I like this one. Do I feel pressured to make this decision quickly? Yeah. And, and often um, there's some outside um, perceived pressure that isn't real. Yeah. And so one of the best questions to ask, uh, especially if they're complicated or cloudy, is like, when do I need to make that? Yes. And uh, someone will come into your office or an email with a kind of a frantic tone, like we need to decide. And generally you can say, well, we don't have to decide right now. Yeah. And that just buying that time, um, letting everybody, you know, get their wits is just going to save you. So generally, the rash decisions or poor decisions, um, you know, especially ones that are really, really complicated. And, you know, people make when you're making decisions out of emotion, um, that's generally a bad place to be. And so just by asking for some time, you can really, really slow the process down and you'll make it much better. Decisions. Yeah. And so and if you're a leader right now, listen to this and you're more on the overanalyzed side, that's that's your bent. And you've got people on your team that are on the under-analyzed side. They like to make decisions fast. That's going to be tension. And so the the people on your team are going to bring you decisions sometimes, and they're going to be like, I want to get this done. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And they're going to bring that sense of urgency to it, when really the sense of urgency is, if, I, if you make this decision, I get to mark it off my to-do list, and then I can work on something else. And so there's a lot of pressure that you can feel with that. And so it's just good to know that you can buy time, just ask for time. When do I have to? And don't let anybody force you to make the decision quicker uh, than you actually need yeah, to. Yeah, that's the, uh, we say this last week, it's the car salesman trick, yeah. right? You know, uh, no one pays more uh, for a used car uh, after having slept on it for two, three nights. Yes. You know, you do so when the guy's got you, you close the door and, you know, um, and he's, he's putting the, the sales uh, tactic on you. So uh, also taking engagements or responsibilities. A lot of times people will ask you and want you to decide right now. And, and what I'll say is if you're asking me to decide right now, the answer is no. Yeah. Uh, if you want, if you're saying I can check with my wife and, you know, check some other other things that this will impact, uh, then I'll get back with you. That's fine. But if, if, if you need an answer literally right now in five seconds, the answer is no. Yep. So then you can decide. But I'm not going to be backed into a corner and make a poor decision uh, based on your timeline. Hey, guys, we'll be right back to our conversation here in a moment. But we wanted to let you know about Watermark's Church Leaders Conference. It's happening in April, the 2nd through 4th, 2019 here at Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, so it's a conference for anyone on a church staff or a parachurch ministry or uh, vol who volunteers in a significant way at the church. Basically, anybody that feels the leadership weight within the local church. Yeah, these three days are meant to inspire you with all that God wants to do through His church and to equip you to be a better leader wherever God has placed you on mission. So no matter your position, senior pastor, students team, assimilation, operations, 
Whatever it is, our goal is to develop you into a more effective leader. Plus, it's just a ton of fun. So at CLC, we try to model a lot of the staff culture we talk about here on the podcast. And it typically includes a lot of fun, uh, a lot of memorable uh, moments, and uh, not to mention the food. I, I will venture to say we have the best conference food um, ever. 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 It's a bold claim. Let's stand by. Well, tickets are going fast. You can learn more at churchleadersconference.com. Do I feel pressured to make this decision quickly? That's the fifth question. Sixth one that I think is really helpful to ask is this. What's the worst case scenario if I make the wrong decision? John, I have learned this one from you. This is like, where did you learn how to ask this question? Because I, I think it's so helpful. I don't know, but it has it has just saved me and I've watched it save others. And so uh, what we mean by this, Adam, is uh, a lot of times we'll get paralyzed because I, I, you don't want to make the, the wrong, the wrong decision. decision. Yeah. And you're just thinking and you're overanalyzing. And so it's just really helpful to say, Hey, what, like, what is the worst thing that can happen from here? Yeah. You know, generally it doesn't include people losing their lives, you know, uh, shutting the doors on your church or your organization or losing your spouse, like, yeah. you know, or your kids not eating. Generally those aren't the worst case uh, scenarios. And so then you can kind of uh, just make sure that you're making these decisions not out of fear. And it also allows you to take some risks. Yeah. You, know, you say, okay, well, so what is it? We, this thing cost X amount of money and it's going to cost this much time. And uh, I'm not sure. And you go, okay, what's, what's the worst thing that happens? We lose this much money and we lose this much time. Everybody lives. The mission of God goes on. Go ahead. Yeah. Like, give Give it a flyer. See, just see what happens, um, and don't don't play all the what ifs because the what ifs, candidly, are probably not that bad. Yes, because I mean, when we're speculating on the future, I mean, who knows? Who knows what's right? And I think where this is so helpful, just on the pastoral ministry side, when you have couples, and I think this is some of the examples that I've watched you in, John, with this, a couple that's maybe going through a financial crisis or what feels like a, a pending financial crisis. When you start to ask these questions, okay, so what? So what? What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? I remember you had this scenario like, okay, so the worst case scenario is you might lose your job, move in with your family that has plenty of space for you and get another part-time job and you'll be living at your in-laws for a period of time, but you're going to have food, you're going to have shelter, you don't have to sell all your clothes and you don't have to sell your cars. Is that it? That's that's the that's the A-bomb the scenario. The yeah. nuclear scenario. And they're like, yeah. And you're like, okay, like, can we just take a breather and go, that's not that bad? I mean, yeah, it's not what you prefer, but walking people through that, what's the worst that can happen, um, I think is really, really helpful with all of this. And what's the worst case scenario? And doing that, I mean, if you can pre-live that, it will hopefully reduce some fear and then help you build some courage to go, okay, we can we can move forward through all this. So I love that question. That helps me get unstuck a bunch. Number, number seven is this. Am I making this decision for the wrong reasons? Yeah, I think Todd talked about this a little bit last week, but I think we could just be honest that we're going to make decisions that are favorable to us, mm -hmm. which is really uh, the opposite of what Jesus um, said when he talked about leadership and he framed that up. Yeah. No, no, leadership is about others and it's about serving them and it's about putting their needs uh, uh, before and above your own. And so as a leader, oftentimes you have power uh, to move things around um, that just make your life better that give you the spotlight that might, uh, in some cases might, uh, pad your, uh, pocketbook or give you more, you know, followers on the socials. Right. Yeah. Um, so you have that, you have that power. And so boy, it comes, 
really, really enticing to make a decision that would give you e any of those uh, options. And, uh, and we have to just think like uh, Jesus asked us uh, to think and to really, uh, really think as a servant when we make, uh, we make these decisions. And so, and, and it doesn't, you know, there's really, really big ones. Um, there was one, um, couple weeks ago and it was about basically uh, who we were going to platform and push up front and those kind of things like who, who basically who's going to be look um, who's going to be made to look like uh, smart or featured and I had a chance to make that me and uh, and I wanted that I really did and, uh, and I thought you know what I think um, it would for a lot of other reasons uh, th it would be good to give uh, someone else a shot and uh, and and I step back and so uh, I'm sure I've got lots of examples where I you know selfish motives tainted the decision and made it uh, very very uh, poor but um, uh, those are the kind of things daily and then at the big the big macro level yeah that we're always going to have to look at and I think those who are listening right now that are uh, maybe not in a position where they have a, a title or an authority in their organization, this motives issue can drive them crazy when they're watching others' decisions because they may go, well, did they make that for – what was the real reason they made that decision, which can just be so toxic. It's called – what you know, for me, it's assigning motive. Like that is, that is one of my ditches that when I assign motive to people – it is, uh, I mean, it's a ter I have a terrible hit rate on the on getting the motive right. I mean, I, I want to say it's upwards of 95% of the time my mo what I, the motive I assigned is dead wrong, like nowhere close. But when that enters my mind, like I bet they made this decision for that reason. I feel 100% right. And it just can be so challenging to watch others make decisions and sometimes uh, just be questioning their motives all the time. And so- That's um, interesting. Yeah, so that one of our mantras, right, is believe the best. And if you can't, then if you can't, uh, you know, ask them, uh, ask for clarity. Yeah. And so just but, but have that posture of believing the best about people as they make decisions. Yeah. Generally, there's a scenario where you can believe the best. Yeah. And, uh, and if you can't, just, just go ask And, and while, you know, we saw Leadership Around Here model this really well a couple of weeks ago when they made a decision about moving somebody on staff into a new role. And they didn't have a chance to explain the rationale and the motives before they made the decision. And so unfortunately, due to time, I mean, it really was some timing that was outside of their circumstances. But when they had the time, they say, hey, let's have this conversation. Rather than you guys wondering, now, why did they do that? Let us explain. And so that may be because we know as leaders, everybody's going to be questioning motives. It's just it's just impossible to get away from that. So as leaders, sometimes if you make big decisions, what can be really helpful is to go explain the motives as best as you can. Uh, and you're not going to win over everybody, but you can win over a lot of people by just letting them know, hey, we, we tried to make this for the organization's sake or for that person's sake, not to put myself forward. Yeah. yeah this is, now we, we kind of shifted over into communicating a decision, but it, it, you, just while we're here and we're taking kind of tangents, it's always helpful to remember that uh, you generally have a lot more information and you generally have been living with a decision for a lot longer. So you've been processing something maybe, maybe for months, maybe for a half a year, maybe for a year, and you spring it on people and you forget that this is the first they've heard of it. Yeah. And they need some time just to metabolize that. And it's it's crystal clear to you because you've worked it all the way through. And a good leader will just have that sense. Todd will have that sense. He'll, he'll just pause and he'll go, I bet this is something you guys are going to want to process. So let me bring up to speed on how we got here and what questions do you have? And uh, not, not every decision, but some of the biggies, if they've not been walking with you. And there's sometimes they just, those are closed door decisions until they get communicated and you just need to be wise about That's that. That's good. So am I making this decision for the wrong reason? Great question to ask yourself as you're processing. Number eight is this, what have I learned from similar decisions I've made in the past? Yeah. And so I think the the older we get, um, the, the longer, you know, we're 
kind of in this space that uh, the more we find ourselves going, I've seen this before. And so you ask, hey, what, what did I learn when I, when I saw this last time, what happened? Um, and a lot of life does become pattern recognition. I remember I had a friend uh, who traded um, at one of the exchanges in Chicago. And he said there was, you know, he, he had a kind of a, a methodology, but he said there was one guy who, who made very, very, very few trades and he would just kind of be out there on the floor. And there was, there was this one scenario that would show up and I don't remember specifically what it was, um, you know, every so often, I think maybe once or twice a, a month. And when that happened, he would just go all in. Huh. He would come out of the, out of the shadows and in a flurry <laughs> of activity, yeah. you know, and, and, and make it happen. And, uh, uh, and then he would unwind that trade and then he would kind of, you know, he'd just, just scurry and uh, be a bit obscure until the next time. And so in, in that scenario, he knew when these, when these things line up this way, this is an opportunity. And, uh, and, you know, he learned about himself, I guess, when he tried to operate outside of that, it, it wasn't good. So uh, I just think if we, if we will take the time to go back, uh, learn what it, what it was that we should have learned from decisions saying, have I seen this before? What happened? It just becomes a really good starting place. Yeah. Todd had a good, I thought it was a really uh, insightful comment. Like, don't, uh, don't stop there. You know, that may not be what God has for you, but uh, boy, it can really help um, make decisions quicker as you factor uh, those based on what you have uh, seen and experienced before. Yeah. And for some of you, like uh, for some of you, it may be going back to some of these other questions that we've talked about, like uh, if you're tempted to make the decision alone, you know, or do a command decision and you're looking back on your track record going, those usually don't turn out well. Well, you know what? I probably need to start bringing others in. Let me learn from those mistakes and bring others in. Uh, when you make decisions quickly, when you don't think you have all the facts, do those go well or do they not go well? Should you trust your gut? Should you not trust your gut? These are just things you got to learn and just try to go, okay, so when I'm facing this decision, again, I'm feeling the pressure of time. Historically, I don't make good decisions when I'm feeling the pressure of time. Therefore, let's buy some time. That, that can really, really help you avoid some bad decisions. All right, last two. Let's go through these real quick. What decision would a great leader make? Yeah, and so, you know, pick your great leader, whoever it is. It's a sports figure. It is a coach. It is a, a general. It is a CEO. You know, just say, what what would that person do if they were me right here? This is kind of a mundane decision, but, you know, whoever that is, it's yeah. the coach you look up to, what would he do? You know, and um, a couple years ago, I was in the Churchill War Museum, and um and the decisions that Churchill made uh, sometimes were very, very unpopular at the time, like incredible backlash. Like he uh, sunk, if I remember right, some French uh, ships, like which would have killed like French soldiers. And his rationale was the Germans will use those against us. Let's bomb those. Well, those are our friends. Like you know, Everyone is against him. Terrible on that. decisions. Right. Yeah. Or terribly difficult decisions. Yeah. yeah. And it turned out to be right. You yeah. know? And so like when I, when I'm making a decision that kind of others are going, I don't know if this is a good idea. I think about that. Like when, what would Churchill do? Yeah. You know, which is, I don't know. That's actually a very. You're bombing cars in the parking lot. <laughs> I know there's probably a better example, but you know, or yeah. when you need, uh, when you need courage or you just need wisdom or you need counterintuitive, it's just an intellectual exercise it to is. play just to say, hey, it what, gets you, know, you unstuck. They, yeah. And that's what I love is that, you know, again, somebody like me that can be an overanalyzer, it removes emotion. It allows me to kind of get outside the decision and just plug in your favorite leader. What would they do? And then what, I, what I'm always amazed when I run this exercise, the answer is really clear. And so then the, the next after that, is like, well, then go do that. If, if you think that's what a great leader would do, then that's your decision. So yeah. it, it just removes you from the equation and puts in uh, a really great leader, which can be helpful. And then the last question is this, uh, similar to uh, have I asked God for help now that you're actually going to make the decision 
Here's a great question to ask. Have I asked God for courage? Yeah. And I think a lot of times we end up knowing exactly what we should do. Yeah. And that's, that's just generally how that works. And then the thing that we're lacking at that point is not clarity. It's just courage. Yeah. And so, again, this is God's church. If you're dealing, if you're making decisions, especially about things that matter, uh, you know that the God of the universe um, is on your side. Yeah. You know, you walk into the playground uh, with the biggest big brother there ever is. And, uh, you know, if you're, a, you know, a little five-year-old boy, you can kind of stick your chest out because you've got some incredible backup uh, there. And so um, just pray for courage to do uh, the right thing. Leaders, um, great leaders have courage or they, they find a way to, to get there and they find a way to um, borrow the courage uh, of others or, you know, lean on the courage that, that God gives them. And so um, just, just as you, as you wind down, don't make decisions, don't not do something because you lack courage, ask God for courage yeah. and, um, and, and you'll be glad the people you lead will be glad. Uh, don't not do things because they're hard, because they're scary, uh, because you're not sure how they are um, going to turn out. Most of the, the scary stuff you decided somewhere in your life to do, um, you're glad you did. Yep. And that's probably how it's going to go yeah. uh, for the next you know 10 big decisions you make. And so ask God for courage. Be courageous uh, as you make and execute these decisions. Yeah. And I don't know where, just years ago, hearing the definition of courage that was so helpful for me, because I heard courage for the longest time and thought fear. Fearless. And somebody defining that going, no, it's not the absence of fear. It's moving forward despite fear. And uh, fear comes about when you don't know uh, what the future is going to hold. And so most of our decisions are made with a tremendous amount of uncertainty. You don't have all the facts. You don't know how it's going to turn out. The higher up you are in the organization, the more people are at stake or, or going to be a victim or blessed by this decision. That's a lot of fear. So fear, it's not make decisions fearlessly. That's kind of impossible. It's make them courageously and ask the Lord to give you courage as you're doing this. It's going to be decisions that are going to be honoring to him and, and ultimately bless those who are impacted by it. So yeah, love it. I found those 10 questions to be helpful. I know we just flew through those yeah. for the listeners, but that's why I'm really excited about this one pager that we created that you can print that out, uh, keep it on your desk, tape it to your wall, whatever it is, as you're facing a decision, big or small, personal or organizational. We've kind of written these to be more decisions that you would make from an organizational perspective. I'm sure you could use these from a personal perspective. Yeah. But uh, print that out and use that, share that however you see fit. If I had one more final thought on this whole topic, it would be this, is that, uh, you know, we started off saying decisions, uh, making decisions, that's the job of a leader. And uh, what we need to remember is that when you make decisions, uh, they're not all going to be the right ones. And you're going to make bad decisions sometimes. And when that happens, when not if, but when you make a bad decision, we just need to remember to own those, like not, not spin why those weren't bad decisions, not try to uh, silver lining it, just recognize, hey, we swung and missed on that one. If I, knowing what I know now, I, I wish we would have made an, another decision. And then the other thing that I think pops up is we just have to remind ourselves with decisions, you cannot please everyone. So with whatever decision you make, somebody's going to be frustrated. And that is, uh, that's the cost of leadership. The horror. Yeah. And what did Todd say? It's like, it's this commitment to being misunderstood. And that's just part of it. And so if you're making decisions and you've got some grumblings, you've got some people who are frustrated, that just probably means you're doing it right. Uh, If everybody was constantly applauding every decision you made, there's probably something that you're not doing right there because it's just going to be impossible to please everyone. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Don't lead, right? Make, uh, make cupcakes because everybody likes the person that makes cupcakes. Right. Do that. No no one's mad. No one's ever mad at the cupcake lady. Uh, But if you're going to lead, people will just be frustrated. You will be misunderstood. Uh, And it's a great line. It is a commitment to being misunderstood. Absolutely. Yeah. If if I just had one more thought, Adam, I would say like, we want to know, is this type of thing helpful? Yeah. And true. 
truly. And so you and I sit here, we sit here in this little table and we talk in these microphones with to each other and, you know, no, no audience. And so, uh, you know, we know people are listening. We can, we, that we can tell, um, but we don't know, uh, if, how, how helpful this is, or there's topics that maybe better said topics that you think, uh, would be helpful, you know, to you as a leader, uh, that we could address or tools we could create. Like we would, we'd want to know, like we want to serve you. Uh, we want to see the church of Jesus Christ thrive. And, uh, if, you know, if you can pull one lever, the quickest way to, to make the church of Jesus Christ thrive is to make the leaders better. All right. Well, if you did find today's episode helpful, we'd love it if you would share this with your friends and peers. And uh, if you have any questions or comments on today's episode, please feel free to send us an email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. Thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you again next time.